This is Network Zero, and this is this is episode five because we got the episode number long uh, number wrong last time. Uh, um, we said it was three; it was actually four. I I screwed up, so that was my fault. It's all labelled correctly. Uh, so I'm one of your. I know I'm one of the uh, regular hosts, Chris. I'm joined, of course, by James. Hello. Hello. And I'm joined by our other regular hosts, Sam. Hello. Hello. Um, so we're going to talk about Werewolf the Forsaken second edition in the show. Finally, um, we'll talk about what Werewolf is actually about, um, some of the mechanics, uh, and the setting material. Uh, and before we, and of course, we'll talk about movies, inspiration for Werewolf and their antagonists. Uh, before we get into that, uh, what have we been up to gaming wise? James, what, be, what have you been up to? I've been playing so much Monster Hunter. Oh my goodness. Oh right, yeah, okay. <laughs> um yeah, it's out now. It's really good. Um it's exactly what I wanted a console-based Monster Hunter game to be. Excellent. So uh, killing monsters, turning them into hats, wearing those hats to fight more monsters. Um they've done a really good job with the world building. The environments have a lot of endemic life in them. Um, it all just actually feels like an ecosystem that exists more than an arena for poking bosses. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, is it a big update compared to the previous versions of it? It is absolutely huge. It's them moving away from the the kind of PlayStation Portable heritage. Well, not even PlayStation Portable. The version that used to be out on the PS2. Um, all of the kind of controls and a lot of the functionality has kind of stayed the same. There's a lot of core systems that have just been made more complex and more complex as they've gone along. And they've overhauled it. They've changed the way certain quests work. They've changed the way you experience, you uh, sign up to things. They're making it... It looks like they're making it into a live product, um, mm. which means that we'll be getting lots of updates. Um, we've already had DLC that lets you make your cat look like a monster or a little robot out of Horizon Zero Dawn, which was another like monster fighting in the game. Um, and you can also now play as uh, Ryu from Street Fighter, thanks to some of the DLC. Uh, right, okay. To, which is is bizarre, but there's something satisfying about throwing Hadoukens at giant dragons and stuff. Um, mm. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's see what what's happened since we last recorded. I've done uh, finished Guild Ball League. I won only one match out of every match I played because it was we were playing for these hidden agenda points. So winning the matches didn't matter until the final league. Um, but I came very close on winning uh, a lot of those matches. So the mortician's been fun. Um, there's a new rat catchers sub faction that's got this cool lady with a big French kind of. Uh, beehive kind of hairstyle in it and like you know wearing furs so that'll be fun it's uh, called a, a poof a poof oh okay the, the, the beehive is 50 i think she's i think she's called <laughs> she's called flag or or pela oh no is it p-e-l-g-a-e -E? is it pelage i don't know i have to check i can't remember the names on all new characters um and I've been playing, of course, um, finally, you know, painted uh, my Christmas present of Necromunda Underhive. So the Goliath and Eshers have been fighting it out in the Underhive. And I'm now looking forward to White Dwarf coming out with G-Silicult. So uh, I'm going to get a campaign running for that. 
Um, so that's really fun. And of course, we have played, Sam, haven't we? You participated in the rerun of my folk horror game called The Hunger From Within, which yeah. James, you and Mike also played and we recorded for Dark Days Radio. Yeah. So how did that go, Sam? Oh, it was great. It was fun. What was interesting about it? Um, I'm trying to think now because I, you know, um, if we end up, if you end up running it for other people, I don't want to put spoilers. Oh, people for... have, well, we've, like I said, if we've got the episode on Dark Days Radio that's actually mm, recording it, okay. so spoilers are already out there. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, there are a few red herrings in there that, you know, I sort of picked up on initially but it was kind of difficult because it was full of a lot of different things so it was like you know are you going to think that it's the villagers or is it the carnies or is it this or that you know is it werewolves is it something else and you know so it was a bit of a mystery aspect to it trying to work out exactly what was going on um but yeah it was it was cool just like the general folk horror vibe of it and everything how did you feel given that I based it heavily on my hometown? Uh, yeah, that seemed to fit pretty well, having <laughs> been there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, in that we had Sam was playing the barista student who was visiting family that 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 have moved to the town. Um, uh, Mark played the biology student looking for the missing brother. And Stavrina played the historian. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have the firefighter character in this one. So James, when you played, you were playing the biology student and Mike was playing the firefighter who was like at the hotel spa. So mm -hmm. I think it was quite a different feel. Like I think with you and Mike, Mike's character was quite capable of like just beating people up. Um, I don't um What was your... What was your feeling of playing that one shot when we did that? Oh, man. Like, um, I felt like it very much had a horror movie vibe to it because situations occurred and you go like, well, this seems like a sensible thing to do in this situation. And then everything kind of deteriorates. Um, and I imagine for someone sitting on the sidelines, there would be a lot of, no, no, don't do the stupid thing. Oh my god, what are you doing? Um, so I think it like it really worked to get that kind of uh, the vibe across. Um, oh my goodness, it is a long time back. It has been a long time. Like there are so many. I did. It is kind of festooned with red herrings, like the visiting circus fair carnival. Yeah. Um, Who end up warning you? About yeah. Um, <laughs> what else was there? The um, the 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 general folk festival that's going on in the town, which is kind of related to it, it kind of not related to it, but it's not. Um, yeah, there's all the history stuff with the church and the. There's a lot. Um, it's quite layered. I think sometimes, as a character, you have to do the stupid thing. Yeah, like uh, when I said we should go to the scrapyard to find yes the car. And it's like, if, would I personally do that? Probably no, I would have been gone already. But yeah, we were trying to actually find uh, Mark's character's brother. And you succeeded in rescuing him. 
he he survived. Yeah, survived. That was good. Um, so they did slightly better. Uh, Stefanina was very cl- her character was close to being butchered. Yeah, she at, at one point I, I think she kind of decided she'd had it. Yeah, she'd uh, first of all, um, uh, it was quite funny with the zombie chase part of it, kind of thing, because um, my character uh, just ran really fast and, and got away but sort of doubled back to help the others because they were just failing at every dice roll trying to get away um and yes Davina's character got sort of captured and dragged away and she was like um i'm dead now but but um that didn't happen so, yeah um well i am thinking i might do um a one-shot follow-up which will use it as a setting uh for or at least a, a starting point for like a werewolf game because I think it does overlap quite well. It's the type of thing that you know the 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 werewolves that we'll be talking about would find uh quite anathema to their way to their worldview of of how the world should be. Um yeah. What was the creepiest moment in that game then? I don't know. Um your antagonist was clearly Christopher Lee. <laughs> Oh, very, he's a bit Christopher Lee, yeah. Um, in the Wicker Man, I think. Oh yeah, definitely. Very, yeah. Um, but but I I actually killed him in the end. Mm. I defeated him, so that that's that's my claim to fame now. Yeah. <laughs> um, James, do you remember anything that was kind of creepy, gross in that one? Um, that's the mouth thing. Going oh, down, yeah. going down into the uh the dark and the. Like the caves. Yes. Yeah. Like that's that's the kind of bit that I mean I probably would have wanted to nope the heck out of there, but um, it can't because it's it's that it's at that moment where it's like it's folk horror and then it tilts over into Lovecraftian horror. Mm. Um, yeah. So hopefully, um, my plan is for UK Games Expo, which uh we have got our Darker Days Radio press passes for. Yeah, um, I've been asked to um, if I can run uh, a demo game, so I'm gonna run. I'm gonna run this, The Hunger from Within, as a demo game because it fits within three hours thereabouts. Um, I think it it encapsulates a lot, so that'll be good fun. Uh, and what else have you been up to, James? You you've been away on journeys and been in the wilderness. How was the wilderness? I Is that inspired. You survived. Um, it was looking dicey a little bit. No, uh, luckily, I, when I was out in the wilderness, I happened to be there with my friend who is a nurse and her boyfriend who is a uh, like a hiking guide or a trail guide. Um, right. So I was basically, you know, I was about as safe and as uh, like in the best company as I could have been. Um, but yeah, it was really. Uh, really interesting um it reminds me why i do desk jobs rather than work (laughs) outside um and uh yeah there's been some some really kind of inspiring stuff just like getting out in the nature and the kind of the peace and the quiet and the tranquility and also just the um yeah just being in like a really snowy space like we don't really have anything quite like it in the uk those just forests covered in snow like sunken in it Mm. and yeah that i feel like it has widened my world view cool 
Cool, cool, cool. Okay, so um, there's been some cool stuff for Chronicles of Darkness. There's some new blog posts out about the development of Geist the Sinita's second edition, talking about keys, which are the ways they unlock their um, their their links to death and death energy. So they've added in some new ones, and or and they've got rid of some old ones. They've changed things around. It makes more sense. So there's now as many keys as you have attributes. There are nine keys. Um, and they relate to ways that you die. Um, and then there's mementos. They've talked about how those tie into death and how they gain um, uh, death energies and uh, are pretty much like impervious. Um, so I think Geisenita Second Edition is going to be really good. Uh, for Darker Days Radio, we're interviewing the developer, the new developer for Vampire the Requiem, which is Danielle Luz. Uh, I'm going to get this right. Danielle. Lauzon Harper. I've most pronounced the middle name wrong, but anyway, she's she worked on Thousand Years of Night, which is the Elder's book for Vampire the Requiem, and Half Damned, which is the Dampire kind of book for Requiem as well. Uh, as I said, we're going to UK Games Expo. Um, there's going to be some cool stuff there. White Wolf is going to be at UK Games Expo. Some of the guys from Onyx Path. Uh, Games Workshop is like the main, like, sponsor of uk games expo i find that completely crazy but i think it's because they they realize they actually have to attend these events to to have a market kind of presence these days uh end of march i'm doing some more kingdom death videos and we've got to do some more kingdom death podcasting james i can't remember the last month we talked about was it the kingsman um maybe yeah i think I think so. Um, and then maybe the hand would be the last one that we've, yeah. we've not done from the core box. But now and... I suppose the core box is a little bit bigger. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there is what we've got going on in Sheffield. We've got Horicon coming up. I'm still waiting to see if we've got a press pass to Horicon. <laughs> I really want it. Because um, there's some cool people at Horicon now. Uh, yes. There's uh, Jeffrey Combs and uh, Dario Argento. Uh, amongst others uh yeah it's gonna be it'll be good uh obviously i need to get some more details sorted for manchester gothic festival about what gaming's going on there so uh and of course we did on dark days radio the interview with jackalope live action studio they're running this sabbat game for vampire the masquerade that's like splatterpunk larp so it's going to be kind of like what we did in berlin but like how the Sabbat do a shovel head embrace. So they kind of like, it's a club that goes wrong and everyone gets murdered and lots of gore. So that's about it on the news front. And so we can go into our main segment. So we're talking about Werewolf the Forsaken Second Edition. We're not going to talk about that other Werewolf game because it's very different and it can be very confusing. And for reason, for plenty of reasons, just forget it. So uh, what's Werewolf the Forsaken about? It's a game of savage fury. So you are playing werewolves and you also get to play members of their pack. 
So you don't get to just play the werewolf characters. They have uh, their human friends, relatives, allies, and also there are wolfkin, who are people that have the blood of the wolf, werewolf blood flow through them and are important for like maintaining um, the bloodlines of werewolves. Like, you know, in other words, the offspring of wolfkin could more than likely become a werewolf. Uh, obviously, werewolves are part man, part wolf, but they're also part human and part spirit. So they don't have a human soul. They have the spirit of the wolf within them. Um, so they're born this way. They're, they are born werewolves, which is, um, you know, most werewolf media is always like, oh, I got bitten and turned. Mm-hmm. Um, their first change doesn't always have to occur under a full moon. In fact, it occurs under one of the five auspices of the moon, which we'll get into. And of course, werewolves are harmed by silver. It's part of their curse, which relates to the backstory. Um, and then, of course, werewolves have five forms. They have a human form, which in the game is called Hishu. They have a near-human, which is called Dalu. So they gain kind of you know claws, teeth, but they're still human humanoid biped they look they could they could pass for human there's the garu form which is the killing form which is the big eight foot tall killing machine that can regenerate all damage to it done instantly pretty much um yeah literally end of every turn a garu heals all bashing damage done to it yeah right so yeah yeah like you know if you go into that form fight sequences are pretty much pointless unless you're up against something that can go toe-to-toe with you. Um, but you can't stay in the Garou form for very long because it drives you mad. It's called Karuth. It's called a, a Death Rage. There's the Urshul form, which is the direwolf form, so it's a bigger wolf form. And then finally, there's the Uran form, which is the total... You've totally changed into a wolf. So even as a werewolf, you've got quite a lot of abilities already uh, through going through those changes you've also got these gifts and that are bestowed to you by spirits so they're kind of like um their their ideas and co- conceptual powers that are given to you by spirits or by or they're tied to your auspice or so they're tied to the moon or uh they're tied to the wolf so they're about their manifestation of what it means to be a wolf spirit um and I've mentioned spirits because Werewolf is a game of that is about balance. And part of that balance is the animistic spirit world where thoughts and ideas manifest as anthropomorphic creatures. And also creatures and buildings and items also have reflections that are also... Um, awake and intelligent so the fox is a classic example a fox to us is that nice little red bushy-tailed creature that's a trickster and he's got numerous folklore associated with him but his spirit the spirit reflection of foxes are clearly they they live up to that folklore and they live up to those ideas and it is far more intelligent and it is the trickster god that that tells you you know it, it will offer you gifts if you pass its riddles and so forth so the spirit realm is a is a world that you can go into, and the werewolves um, that you play are the gatekeepers between these two worlds. They're trying to keep the balance because you don't want spirits want to feel the flesh. They want to feel what it is like to be in the material realm. 
and they want to influence the material realm so that it gives them more power in the spirit world. And likewise, things happen in the material realm, like pollution, murder, so forth, which can make the world go out of balance. Or, or the spirit world, or the material world, could actually become too stagnant, and so it 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 stifles the energies in the spirit realm. So you having to bridge these two worlds, just as you are a creature of wolf and man and spirit and matter and so forth. So ultimately, the main horror then in werewolf is there's a body horror element because you're turning into a werewolf, um, into a wolf creature. Uh, the rage that it brings on because you've been cursed by the moon, lunar, to have um, to cause uh, you're cursed in the fact that you can't control your emotions when you become you're driven by your emotions you you become this big werewolf and you, you have to strive to kill but also um, the horror is that um, you know, because you're, you're tied to the spirit, you see more constantly the spirits come over and, and cause body horror, and because spirits like to possess people and that can twist them. Um, and what else is there that's horrific about werewolves? Um, obviously, you've got to keep a balance in your soul in your between man and beast, and if that goes one way or the other, that can drive you kind of a bit loopy. And if you become a werewolf, you uh, if you show your wolf form, you can actually cause something called lunacy in people, which also drives them mad. Uh, so that's that's the brief overview of of what you play as a werewolf. Uh, we'll get into about the other elements first. So, what's your first instinctual feeling about playing a werewolf like this? I'm gonna ask Sam first because she's good with her werewolf movie and media. Um, what do you want to know? In particular? Well, what's interesting about what werewolf offers you in order to to explore, you know, so you can explore types of characters or, or concepts and themes and moods? Um, I think with the kind of rage aspect, you could easily, you know, channel that with, you know, exploration of uh, with a male character, like to toxic masculinity and things like that. And um, uh, kind of, uh, keeping things bottled up but then you know the werewolf part of you you know means that you know it can't stay bottled up forever and you know when the change happens you know it's a kind of uh destruction yeah and stuff so i think that's interesting um and you're right because like the, the 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 heart so you have you know how in, in the mortal game you have something called integrity about like yeah. how you you cope with horrific things and yeah. things that trigger you. I mean, werewolf, obviously, depending on which way you are, things will certain things will trigger you into that werewolf form. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Uh, yeah, and, well, what's always more intriguing for me um, in uh, werewolf media is the concept of female werewolves and, you know, how that's different, you know, how it's perceived, how it's presented. Um you know, you've got movies that I guess we'll talk about in a bit, like Ginger Snaps, which um, explore kind of the, you know, the correlation between menstruation and the moon phases. And I think um, because obviously werewolves in The Forsaken, like you said, they're, they're kind of born with it, but you could also explore it, you know, from um a female werewolf not really experiencing it until 
her first period. Well, that's actually in, puberty. So is, the yeah. thing I was going to say is that when I say you're born a werewolf, you're born a werewolf, but you don't experience the first change until generally about you know adult maturity. Yeah, and so some stressful yeah. situation triggers the first change, or you can feel it coming because, like, the spirits start talking, you know, can sense you're, you're nearing the change and they start yeah, rattling I think, the cages. I think that kind of, um, you know, that, that links in with everything like puberty and stuff. It's also interesting because, uh, in in a lot of other like mythologies and things you you get things like poltergeist activity which happens uh particularly when like teenage girls are in the puberty stage and just this idea of kind of super supernatural forces uh you know gaining power and strength um at, at this very tumultuous time for yeah. people that a very tumultuous time emotionally and mentally and physically as well and that kind of all manifesting together to you know, like uh, for the spirit to come forth and actually yeah. like, take over in a way. Cool, uh, James. Um, so yeah, I tend to have a well. My tendency is that I usually play very talky characters who want to resolve stuff through not necessarily violent means, and I feel like werewolf would be something where maybe you don't get so much of that. I mean, you can still um, one of the types of werewolf i think is like framed more as like a, a shaman and that speaks to spirits and things yeah um but yeah i i imagine it would like going from like vampire to werewolf for example i imagine there's probably going to be you're probably going to get more combat in it yeah it's going to be less of the like the political game um i so... think what you're you're hitting on is the fact that i think werewolf when you say you know you, you like playing the talky characters, like there's only sometimes there's only so far where you can get with just discussion until you must take action, and that kind of fits in with with um, some of the, some of the things that uh, underpin playing uh, the type of werewolves in in Werewolf of Forsaken. Like you have to you have to hunt, for example. Yeah, like it's part of their their code, isn't it? Or the um, the oath. Yeah, so we just I'll, I'll go over that because then that might actually guide you in some other thoughts. Then so so James hit on um, the point that as the as a werewolf and as one of the forsaken, which is a, a the subgroup of werewolves that you play, which is actually one of the small the smaller faction of werewolves in the setting. Um, you um, due to the historical reason, which we'll get into when I do the history time bit. Um, the Oath of the Moon is called the is also about the sacred hunt, and it consists of a few things, which are the wolf must hunt. So basically, the Forsaken see they have a holy purpose, which is that they they must hunt and manage their territory and manage the balance between spirit and matter. They don't murder other werewolves. They can fight, but they um, but you know, killing has to be an action that's respected. Um, they have to honor. The old has to honor the the low. What it says is the low honor the high, the high honor the low, which is basically saying there has to be a respect about those in power and those without power. The young respecting the old, the old respecting the young, because obviously life is a cycle. Um, they have to respect their prey, which is basically saying, yeah, you you werewolves, you you are murderous creatures, but again, and you have to hunt, but you have to hunt with a purpose, and you shouldn't just be 
abusing that position. Um, so again, that kind of gets into that thing of honouring what you kill. It's a bit Lion King. It's a bit Lion King. It's a bit Lion King. Then it's got the do not eat the flesh of wolf or man, which is it's basically saying it's a it's a it's a cardinal sin of theirs. It can drive you mad. Um, it does give you power, but it's about because it gives you so much power in doing it. Um, it's a, it's an act that's about surrendering control. Is that something that, as the wolf, they would be aware of? Like, for example, if a human stumbled into their territory and they had the urge to hunt, would they kind of have the the cognitive ability to, to stop be like, themselves. I am not oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to kill the yeah, yeah. If you're in wolf So that's quite still... different than most werewolf media where they can't control, as in probably because they've not had the affliction since yeah. birth, they've not been brought up in a society where they're taught how to control these so... things. If you're in the the, the gorilla form mm-hmm. and you run and you run it too long, you go into death rage. Then your cognitive ability is gone. Okay. I mean, right. you may as well just go. The scene is a red mist as you murder everything <laughs> inside. Um, the herd must not know is basically that you know, werewolves have to stay hidden from humans because there's so many humans that will kill you all off for being freaks. Uh, and then finally, there is the the Arata, which is the forsaken. Uh, shall cleave to the human one, which is basically saying that to balance and ground yourself, you have to still stay tight to both the mortal realm and the spirit realm. Um, and that for, and you have to do that in order to propagate the wealth bloodline, as it were, as well. So there's kind of a, the icky sex uh, progeny element in there that you have to consider. Um, so, yeah, James, wells do have to hunt. So, you know, not every solution is about talking them but it's not as simple as just callously murdering and destroying which i think fits maybe better for you that it's not you're not just the brainless barbarian yeah i mean i've had i've had some fun times playing meatheads who just kind of they were the blunt object that people pointed in one direction and then you went and hit things um in fact, when I they... would hit one direction as a werewolf, but that's another point in time. <laughs> <laughs> who, um, though? I don't know. How all are you saying? No, all of them. <laughs> um, anyway, James, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's um, like one of my, my favourite uh, double acts, in fact, was me and Sam playing vampire um, yeah. with my, uh, my my javelin ear, um, Olympic javelin thrower guy. Yeah. He was good fun, um, precisely because I ended up just going and hitting things. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, there seems there seems to be some quite quite interesting stuff going on in Werewolf, and the variety between the different types. Yeah, seems like there's there's more to play with than you are just going to be a brute and you are going to punch stuff. Oh, um, there definitely is a lot more than that. Yeah. So I'm going to do the brief overview of the history of the werewolves, and this will get more into the animistic, shamanistic element in it. So there was once a time in the ancient past where the spirit realm and the material realm were much closer, like you could shift between the two easily and find uh, passages between them or places where they merged. And the werewolves call that time Pangea. So, you know, kind of makes sense it wasn't maybe it's not the same as our 
Pangaea off the continent. But then time is a weird thing in, in the world of darkness. So Father Wolf was this big wolf spirit that stalked the, 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 the border marches and, and kept the balance between material and spirit and was like the greatest hunter. He also had some wolf children, uh, some wolf spirit children that were his pack. But Father Wolf and Mo- and and Mother Luna, though they're gender non-specific because they're spirits, so gender means nothing in this really, mated. And their children are the werewolves, so the Aratha, so creatures of both man and wolf. Now, Father Wolf then became, over time, got older. He The spirits were beginning to sense this weakness, and it became known that the only way he could be killed and the only way to keep the balance was for him to be slain by one of his children. So one of the Aratha killed Father Wolf, got obliterated in the process because his death screen split apart the the material world and the spirit realm and created what's known as the Gauntlet. So Pangea was broken. Now, obviously, Mother Luna was not really too chuffed about this scenario and so cursed her children with madness and lunacy and and the pain of silver. So the werewolves that did this, they became known as the Forsaken, and eventually they were forgiven by Luna and given like the gifts of the moon uh, 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 to make up for the curse that she'd bestowed upon them. As long as obviously they follow the oath of the moon, of, of course, to, to fulfill Father Wolf's role within the world. There are those werewolves, though, which didn't want to participate in the 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 slaying of father wolf and they're known as the pure tribes and they're a bit more monstrous than the forsaken they don't cleave to mankind they see themselves as better uh obviously there are other spirits that father wolf destroyed and there are some very big spirits called the hosts there are the idgum which are other spirits that father wolf dealt with and there are some other evil werewolves called the bellhounds so how does that all sound to you? That's just general history. I mean, that's the considered mythology for werewolf. There yeah, it's are, interesting, yeah. Within the book, there are other kind of folklore plot hooks to give you some variants on this to explore, to give reasoning for why there are different antagonists. Um, it's... it's um, I think the important thing is it's like the Forsaken, you're not the, you're not the biggest faction of werewolves. The pure tribes are. So there are... The, the Forsaken are, have their territories mainly in and around cities, and the Pure Tribes take up the rest of the wilderness, which is kind of scary. Um, how do you feel about the spirit kind of element to it, though, the animistic spirits? James? Yeah, it, um, like, it's, it feels like quite a neat way to be able to bring some of that nature and wilderness into areas where you generally find people like cities and things um because having a werewolf game where you just played in cities and that was kind of it and then or and then occasionally you had to just go out into the woods to wolf up and wolf around like that kind of be, be a bit weird um yeah i mean uh, you can't it would feel very disconnected even yeah is, um, where i was going with that um, i think also the the fact that the the because of the act that the Forsaken did of slaying Father Wolf, they're they're unless they've built up the relationship, they've built up the respect, like they've gained the 
the branding, the 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 honor, um, that they the the renown, sorry, that werewolves gain, which is kind of like spiritual markings on them. Um, werewolves are hated by spirits for what for the role they perform. So it's not like you can just bugger off into the spirit realm and play werewolf people in the spirit realm and, and never have to deal with the mortal element of it and what it means to be a human and balancing things. You have to you have to fit you have to play in that middle ground and the and deal with the difficulties that comes with it. Okay. That's uh that's me. And I I guess with the um with the oath and their kind of uh their given purpose, um, because of the the deal they have with uh with Malabuna, like you actually have some kind of character impetus behind you. Yes. Like I feel sometimes with vampire you're you're often going like, My character would have done this and now they just have a lot more time to do it. Like, you know, you uh, you're kind of abstracting people into an infinite future of just being able to live forever. Whereas, um, and then then you end up doing lots of scheming and plotting and planning. Whereas Werewolf was one that I was always a little bit kind of intimidated by because why? Like, yeah, what do you what do you want? What is your goal? Um, I would describe Werewolf as more like it's the supernatural Sims, if that makes sense. Because you're, you're, you would collectively as a group decide and build what your kind of pack is, and the other yeah. members of your pack, and and build like what your territory is. And once you've done that, and you've kind of done some like um, tableaus, some like scenes to kind of explore what it's like to hunt in their territory, why they like it. Um, the GM, the the sorry, the storyteller could then start kind of weaving plots into it about so it's a bit more of an organic thing like you, you're trying to like make the players care about the thing they're they're kind of farming mm -hmm. you're farming spirit well you're kind of farming the spirit world kind of um i oh know sam how do you feel about that as a different play style or um yeah i mean this is all quite new to me anyway the kind of werewolf mythos that well not you know werewolves in media but you know how this is uh, presented quite differently yeah. uh, within the game. So I, I'm just listening and learning for most of this, to be honest. Okay, yeah. I mean, I've, I've run Werewolf before in the first edition. There's a few changes with second edition in terms of a few of the rules that have come with Chronicles of Darkness so, and have changed some of the settings. Stuff like in the previous edition, two werewolves couldn't mate. Mm. If they did, they created what was known as, called as a, um, uh, I think it was called a ghost child. So the pregnancy would occur, but when it finally came to fulfill fulfillment, there was no child. There was just a lot of blood and this pure spirit of wolf that would come out. Wolf, wolf. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but now they, they've got rid of that because they tried to like make the game a bit more friendly to to those things. Um, I think there was more of a reaction to the, the, the other werewolf game. Because um, in that one, people would quite happily just go, "Oh, we're in our wolf form, our, our you know, our human wolf form all the time, our war form." And I'm sat there doing a painting. Like it's a bit, for want of another word, a little dorky. <laughs> um, uh, it 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 didn't really get at the horror of what you know. You, if you've turned into your killing form, it is a killing form. Yeah. 
uh, and you could just escape into the Umbra, the, the 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 spirit world in that game, and never have to deal and and deal with very big plots across the spirit wilds, but never really have to deal with the consequences in the mortal realm. It just seemed a bit. Uh, I've got other issues, but that's all explained in a in listen to a darker days radio episode, and it's you get the idea of it. Anyway, so auspices are the phase of the moon. And there are five that we use in this game. There's uh, Kahalith, which is the which is about it's the gibbous moon. It's tied to the renown, which is about glory. Uh, werewolves that have their first change under this one uh, is are prophets, visionaries, law keepers. They're loud and terrifying hunters. They want their prey to know they're there to become legends, uh, and so they have uh, they 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 have dreams of prophecy. Eladeth. Uh, the half moon. They're about the renown of honor. Uh, they can help push or stop a werewolf going into death rage. Uh, they are judges and envoys. They talk to others of all kinds, uh, and they they basically call in favors when they're on the hunt. Araka, new moon. They're cunning. They're the assassins. They're the scouts. They're the thief, and they are always aware at all times where they are of things that allow them to help them fight, to, to make a kill. And they're also very good at like closing the ground with their prey and delivering a killing blow. Uh, Ithia, Crescent Moon, they're about the honour of wisdom. They are fetish crafters, they are ritualists, they are spirit hunters, shamans, they speak to ghosts, they speak to demons, they speak to spirits. Uh, and their howl can cause spirits... Um, that are less powerful than them to flee, but also they can they can call to their spirit allies um, to come to their aid. And then finally, there's Rahu, which is full moon. They're about purity. They're the Crusaders. They're the Oath Keepers. They're the warriors. They're that. They're your warrior, um, warrior Templar kind of werewolf. Uh, and they basically desire to meet their foes in battle. Not to kill necessarily, but to meet their foes in battle and and, and not back down from a challenge. Um, so yeah, you know that's your five types. Um, so those you could say are kind of your clans in Vampire the Requiem, mm-hmm. but them them definitely more kind of like how the spirit realm has touched you and and changed how you kind of feel it. I would say. Um, they're like virtues as opposed to vices. Yes, definitely. Yes. So glory instead of pride. Yeah. You know things like that. Um, I wanted to ask about the um, you know, the cultural inspirations for this because uh, you know, with, with some of the namings of things, it seems to be like a cultural mix, and you know, oh, inspirations wow. for the uh, like you know the spirits and stuff like that uh you know some things sound a bit nordic some things sound a bit celtic so i think it, it's, it's a polyglot it's kind of, of uh, it is yeah so um, i just wanted to to get into it um i'm going to talk about the tribes and then i'll i'll answer that okay. question because it's a very good question so the tribes have nothing to do with any particular cultural ethnic group in the world mm-hmm. okay yeah that's a very important thing to note because this has been an issue. Because this has been an issue previously. Yes. And New World of Darkness doesn't like to pigeonhole things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, 
the tribes have everything to do with the philosophy of the Siskuda, which is Siskuda is the the um, the sacred hunt that they participate in. So, there are five tribes. They all have totem spirits, which are children of Father Wolf. There are the blood talents. They relate to their on their renown. They tie to his glory. Their preferred prey are other werewolves. So each tribe has a preferred prey. One they they feel their best. Their philosophy, their rituals, their gifts, their arts, their training allows them to fight. So you should treat all of these tribes as kind of a school of thought, which all can occur. You know, people in a city might. It's kind of it's not quite a political party, and it's not quite not a, a religion. A religion. It's definitely kind of like a martial philosophy. Um, so anyway, blood talents see themselves as the apex predators. They revere martial prowess. They have a further oath that they they to in order to gain the benefits of their totem spirit, which is they offer no surrender they would not accept. Which is essentially meaning you wouldn't if you know, you wouldn't give uh, a dishonorable uh, don't give your enemy a dishonorable uh, surrender, and you in in turn won't give them a dishonorable surrender. It's about just standing your ground. Obviously, if fleeing doesn't mean dishonor, like it doesn't mean don't be, don't, you know, it doesn't mean be stupid in all cases of fighting, you know. Dishon dishonor doesn't mean be be a fool. Bone shadows are about wisdom, so they're about the, uh, the, the renown of wisdom. Their preferred prey is spirits in the shadow. So that also covers ghosts and other things of ephemera. So it also covers the weird spirits that turn up in mage and in uh, geist. Uh, it also covers the gentry, which is kind of scary. <laughs> um, they're the law keepers, explorers, and, you know, they, 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 they want to know anything about other weird creatures. Uh, they're oath to their total spirit is pay each spirit in kind which is basically saying respect your spirits either with gifts and and trading or put them in their place make them fear you okay uh the hunters in darkness are about purity and they their preferred prayer is the hosts which were a specific type of spirit which i'll explain so hunters in darkness are your classic they stalk in the darkness they harass the enemy they find their weakness and their oath is let no sacred place or territory be violated. So they see that territory should not be challenged. It is a place for your sacred hunt. It should be cultivated. Of course, that means people do walk into your territory like humans. But again, um, have they violated it? So you may, you know, people, you know, there's a, there's a, again, there's an element of don't be stupid about what is your territory. But if they walk in, say, to your locus, which is this place, this fountain of any of spiritual energy, and they start fucking it around, then yeah, you know, you might need to scare them off. Iron Masters are about the renown of cunning. They their preferred prey is humans. And by that I mean humans that are violating the balance between the spirit realm and the mortal realm. They are adapters, survivors, they're urban explorers, they are they're about modern things. Uh, they are hunters of the city. And their thing is, honour your territory in all things. And that basically means changes are constant and you must adapt to it. But also at the same time, you should root, root out the weak parts. Not all new things are good. We know this. 
look at the internet. Um, <laughs> there are parts of the internet that should be burnt and, and weeded out. And finally, you have Stormlords, who are about the the renown of honor. Their preferred prey is the ridden and the spirit claimed. So those are people, humans, that have been possessed by spirits. And they see themselves, the Stormlords see themselves as the leaders of the Forsaken. They present themselves as the best of the best. Uh, they like uh, hierarchy. And their oath is, allow no one to witness or tend to your weakness. So basically, be unbreakable in the service of the hunt. Don't show your weakness to your enemies and your rivals. Obviously, once a fight is over and everything, then you should have your wounds tended to. But that is fine because it's about, you know, they're your friends, they're not your enemies. It's about uh, honour. So, how does that all sound to you guys? James? Yeah, it seems uh, seems neat. Like, there's... Um, I was having a look through it today. Um, it's nice that there's a kind of a combo between your, like, your family, which I'd say is the, uh, the first bit, you know, what kind of werewolf you are. And your like your friends, who is, or which is the the group of people you kind of associate with, and together decide like, yes, this is this is what we do as werewolves. Yeah, I mean these these things. So you know, you as a group of werewolves, players as werewolves as a pack would you know you would there may be a pack alpha, but who is the alpha at any particular time may change upon due to what is the scenario, like what is it you're hunting. And you know, you're a werewolf first, you've got your friends that make up your pack. Then there's your auspice, which kind of says what kind of flavor of werewolf are you. And then you've got your tribe, which you know, all members of the pack could all be from the same tribe, or they could be from different tribes. So there's a bit of mixing and matching in there. Indeed. Um, so to answer your question, Sam, about the, uh, the, 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 the terminology, Okay, so there's been some blog posts based on it from the, the developers of this. So, werewolf, the, the, the language, all these terms like Ithia, Iraq, and everything, and so forth, and they all come from a, a weird manipulation of uh, it's called Grimm's, I oh, was it Grimm's third, oh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but essentially, they're taking words and translating them into Sumerian, and then back again, oh, okay. and doing some messing around with that, and changing some of the the, uh, the pronouns and so forth. So they've tried to root it in, a, in as ancient a language as possible. And that is the, that language is the first tongue. That is the language of spirits. And that is the language, therefore, which... It, therefore, you know, it doesn't feel like it's tied to any particular mm, yeah. ethnicity or culture. It's kind of that, you know, that cradle of civilization kind of feel to it. Um, and werewolves know this language to a certain extent innately, but then also have to you know, learn the nuances of it. And they can speak it in each of their forms to a lesser or greater extent. Like it's quite natural to them. Um, yeah, obviously the pure tribes have their own tribes. There's three tribes to that. I'm not going to get into that here. Um, what we're going to talk about next, though, because I think it's interesting, is the shadow, the hissle, which is the world that's beside our own. So whereas the other world is the shadowy reflection downwards, 
and the, the hedge is kind of around us. Uh, the, the, the shadow the spirit realm is kind of next to us, if that makes sense. So the astral realms in nature above us, the lower depths is where the rest of the underworld is, and then you get down to hell, the inferno, um, and then there's some other realms, depending on which game you play this, the, uh, the dream realms, uh, which are also kind of internal. Um, so the shadow is where things cause resonance. Resonance, like, resonance means feelings, emotion, pain, grief, or play, when things have occurred, like new growth, mass murder, industry, pollution. Resonance generates essence. Essence in turn allows spirits to manifest, come into being, and allows spirits to feed on them. Spirits feed via a hierarchy. So obviously, like there's modes of essence. The let's pollution. It's easy, okay? There is the essence that's, that's tied to pollution in some form. Spirits like cars. Spirits of cars. Spirits of pollution. Spirits of uh, power stations. Let's say. Um, you get the idea. Can feed on that that uh, essence. Spirit gets big, gets bigger as it feeds on that essence. Car spirit gets bigger. It becomes starts becoming an idealized spiritual reflection in, in some particular way of a car. Um, you know, it, it, it has elements of it that looks like a car and other elements that make it very anthropomorphic. Car spirits can feed on other car spirits because it's the thing that they're related to. Car spirits could feed on other vehicle spirits that are smaller than them because they're all the same type. Where shit gets a bit weird is when you get like spirits feeding that is against the natural order of things in our world. So like um, a car could eat a walker, a car could eat a fox spirit because cars run over foxes, okay? But a fox eating a car spirit is a bit against the natural order and it creates a spirit known as a maggot. And it's kind of like a, a, a distorted mutant spirit. Uh, obviously humanity we do lots of things that generate essence and spirit and stuff in the spiritual reflection. But the main important thing is we humans don't have a spiritual reflection, okay? Mm -hmm. So while we, if we die, we create ghosts, we don't have, our, our souls don't have a, a reflection in the spirit realm. Spirits can try and reach over into our world. We can reach into their world by using particular rituals to influence one way or the other. So a spirit of trees could reach over and influence the trees so we can grow bigger, taller, or twist them in a weird, weird way so they become a reflection of that spirit so they can reach out and kind of kill other things off to make sure the trees are the, the main thing in that ecosystem. Uh, uh, so the, the, the spirit realm is an ecosystem. It's animistic. Anthropomorphic, it's shamanistic, also elements of how we interact with it. The spirit realm also appears different to our world. Like there is night and day, but it almost always feels like dusk and dawn. Light seems very pale, very dappled. Sounds feel like they travel further. The sky is always kind of like it's a thunderstorm. It always feels like the storm is about to break. So there's an electrical buzz due to the essence that, that fills it, and that kind of draws, that pulls on your heartstrings and makes you more willing to act on instinct. And um, obviously the urban shadow, the shadow of our cities and our towns is kind of different, because obviously we, as, we all as humans have a concept of what the, what the spirit is, like Sheffield is the city of steel. It has folklore associated with it. 
has myths associated with it, it has certain events and tragedies associated with it, and those will impact on its spiritual reflection, meaning certain buildings have spiritual reflections even after that building has been demolished. And you also get things like, uh, in the spirit reflection, there will be places that don't actually exist or have a reflection in the material world because it's kind of like it's an idea that's been born of it, of, of, of the people that live there. Um, yeah, and then there are also weird places in the shadow. There are shoals which are places damaged by, uh, in the spirit realm that drain essence or glades that are idyllic places in the shadow where light shines there and it's calming and it generates essence. There are wounds, which are places that are so distorted by horrific things happening that they are, they are basically a tear in the spirit that leads to somewhere else. And there are really like negative, evil spirits there. And then there are the spirit barons, which are places that have no essence whatsoever. How does that all sound to you guys, Sam? That's a whole lot. <laughs> I mean, how do you feel about spirits as in this shamanistic, animistic thing, rather than um, ghosts and demons? And... I don't know. With the cars, you you said I wasn't allowed to, to say maximum overdrive. <laughs> it's a shit film, that's why. But um, anyway. But Christine is better. Yeah. <laughs> But like, I mean, how does it fit with like you know, the kind of like shamanism, kind of animistic kind of concept of things, say paganism and, and so forth? Does that kind of interest you as well? Um, it is intriguing. It's not really something that I particularly looked into myself, which is why it's just so new to me, really. And um, you know, because the cultural aspect of that is not really something I've explored before. So. It's um, because, uh, you know, like we've said, it can be um, sometimes a little bit appropriating mm. with animal spirits and things like that, which I think was one of the issues with Werewolf previously. Yeah, um, I think that, you know, yeah. it's, you know, mixing it up a, a little bit more well, now. I mean, you can look at this through the lens of, say, um, Celtic folklore and, and everything else. Like, you know, the, I, think, I think the idea of, like, Spirits of nature, in some way, is quite is actually more uh, common across the world than in ancient cultures than you would think. Um, yeah, I'm like triads and in, uh, Yeah, uh, things like that. I was thinking of uh, even the thing. in Britannia. Yeah, that, that showed the you know the Celtic beliefs and, and things like that, and you know the, the druids. Uh, um, also, one of the first uh, the first things that kind of introduced me to that kind of idea um, is actually in the Narnia books because they have like dryads and naiads and stuff like that that are mentioned, and those are like the tree spirits and, and things like that. And that's like you know, it's it, it's something like um, it's also it's interesting because obviously Narnia is also quite a, a Christian leading book. Yeah. It also has these kind of concepts of druidry and paganism in it as well, which are not always bad things because, you know, you have Jadis, the White Witch, uh, performing dark magic, but you also have these uh, tree spirits that, you know, help out in battle and things like that, and, you know, centaurs and, and things like this, which is all, um, you know, very interesting. I think that kind of ties into this in a way. Mm -hmm. that kind of half man like half beast 
pot spirit kind of thing. Yes, and that that's I think the half man, half beast thing is something we'll get into when we talk about spirits a little bit more, like when we talk about the antagonists. Um, James, what else do you like about the, the concept of the spirit realm? Um, it just sounds it sounds like it's a neat place to have some different adventures. Um, yeah, I I like it. Um, sorry. That's uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot, yeah, I mean, uh, it's the thing, like, you know, you have to think, like, if you're, as I say, it's, it's, a, it's another side of the setting for how you kind of can colour your games and, as I say, places where the adventure takes, the, the story the, the, the takes place, because, say, say, you know, there's, the, the werewolves are, are seen, like, say, a spate of, like, uh, you know, uh, of murders occurring, and there's, like, this negative emotion that's filling people, and they have to chase down this murder spirit, and then they, they, they find where it dwells within the spirit realm, and in the spirit realm, the, the alleyway is just kind of, like, what is an alleyway in our world is, like, this, this kind of, like, seems far taller, darker, Slick with blood, you know. You can you can take all the things you normally do as like kind of like you know purple prose, but you can, it's actually like it's real. And the murder spirit is this creature. I you mean, know, you finally see it in its in its form in the spirit realm, rather than being an ephemeral creature. It's a it's almost like a humanoid made of knives, uh, soaked in blood, um, or you know twisted with what. What looks kind of like flesh, and it just and it's hungering for people. It's possibly it's dragged someone into the spirit realm to 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 feast on them because it it it's one thing to make people to murder for it. It's another thing to kind of do the very act itself. Um, yeah, the, the spirit realm allows you to for so many weird um, storytelling kind of opportunities and, and scenes. And as a creature, as a werewolf you're able to cross over into the spirit realm in certain places. So when you're performing your hunt, you know, you're doing it, you, you could be going in and out of the spirit realm, tracking down your, your prey. Uh, okay, so before we move on to, to talking about antagonists, I'll talk, um, I've mentioned briefly about some of the mechanics. So werewolves have harmony, which is a bit like integrity, a bit like humanity, but in this case, you want to stay in the middle ground between spirit and man. Primal urge, again, is what measures your power, how quickly you regenerate health, how much essence you hold, essence being powerful, how many, what renown you can have. So renown is um, is a measure of, how can I say, so in vampire you have disciplines, in changing you have your pledges, in well, and those kind of like each type, and then they go up in rank. In wealth, you have renown, and as you grow in renown, you can unlock new facets of gifts that you have access to due to your tribe, and due to being a werewolf, and due to your auspice. So some of these facets you will get for free, or you can spend experience to learn new gifts entirely. So as you gain renown, you gain more spiritual kind of energy. You you are more respected by other spirits. Um, and also as a pack, another element to the storytelling kind of uh, group focus of this game is that as a group of players, you, you design together your totem spirit, your pack totem spirit. So you can even role play how, as a group of wells, you hunt down your totem, 
uh, you find your totem, you placate it, or you make it uh, submissive to you, um, all those kind of things, because you're dealing with a, 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 an entity that is not very human. Uh, and then also to go back to harmony, the way that whales anchor themselves in the world is their blood and bone, which kind of again describe how you, you are as a hunter and how you are as a human. Because blood being the thing that kind of is your instincts and bone being what you are in your bones that is unchanging. And then your touchstones are things both in the material and spirit realm that keep you balanced in those two things. So there's examples of what those touchstones are. Like a material touchstone would be like, you know, a certain family member. A spiritual touchstone might be a, a certain place you go to connect with the spirit realm. But the antagonist is where things get really interesting. We've already mentioned that whales have the the, uh, the pure tribes and the bell hounds to fight against, and obviously, though, as forsaken as a as a pack of whales, you will wrestle for for power with other packs of forsaken that whose territory borders with you. So if they see that you're not doing a good enough job, they will move in on your territory. So that makes you know it's very different to to say vampire where there's a good hierarchy with each of the covenants. Um, you know, this is, I feel this game is a lot more local in tone, in focus. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the other antagonists are humans. That'd be humans that are just humans causing trouble. Uh, hunters, in particular werewolf hunters. Mages, because mages might seek to, um, you know, they want control over certain spirits or they might want... Uh, control of certain territory that the werewolves claim as their own. Vampires may be an antagonist, but they're not automatically antagonists. Vampires, again, have may have a position within the hierarchy uh, of, the, of, the, of spirit and man and uh, matter and, uh, and the immaterial, but um, they're not necessarily the bad guys. And pretty much everything else in Chronicles Darkness could be an antagonist in some way. Like uh, the God Machine it has its own spirits, you know, the angels and demons of the God Machine, uh, the the spirits and of uh, of Promethean, uh, the fact that Prometheans can cause disquiet, which causes people to get a bit angry, and that can create spirits which influence the area. Uh, mummies would be a ridiculous uh, opponents to face, but there are antagonists in mummy, which would be like the Amkata, which are creatures that are chimerical kind of like animals. So they possibly could have a weird spiritual reflection or do weird things. So there's lots of things there. There are other sh- other shapeshifters in the setting in, in, within uh, Chronicles of Darkness. You could look at so uh, so so while the Forsaken are werewolves, they are not the only type of werewolves. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously there's spirits. So spirits have a hierarchy. They have their spirit courts. Uh, they want to influence the world to make the, the spirits have more essence to feed on. Um, they can reach out and influence the world. They can reach out and cause flocks of crows if they're a crow spirit and so forth. They can manifest in our world. They can try and cross over. They can fetter themselves to people and creatures and places to influence that thing more so so that's kind of like if you're a person you it's like suggestions in the back of your mind to do certain things urges um 
but also they can fully possess someone. And when they do that, and as they as they fetter themselves to a person more or a creature more, and then they fully perform the possession, and it becomes more it becomes more strong that that uh, that claiming uh, the spirit and the soul of the person fully begin to fully merge. So in that way, they become a mockery of what a werewolf is, because a werewolf is a is a person with a wolf spirit within them. Uh, a claimed is a weird is this merger, and when that happens, the person begins to mutate and, and gain aspects of that spirit, but physically. So how does that all sound to you about spirits? And I think that fits with your thing and the Narnia kind of like centaurs and dryads and yeah. things but you can see that could get a bit weird when it's like oh this person is like claimed by the spirit of i don't know nicotine or or steel rusted steel or yeah it's it reminds me a bit of changeling in that way that yeah you know the the kind of like different aspects of people's personality or physicality and the, the representation and how they they truly look and things like that um but it's a it's a lot yeah. more body horror because in changing yeah. it's kind of like it's about the changing can see the magic in the world whereas yeah. in wealth this is like full it really body is, it's yeah. it's visceral um james any comments um oh goodness uh no <laughs> uh, i think that is a really good shout um you've done a good job on uh i think it could get you can get into kind of like some lovecraftian body horror with this yeah i mean you know with the the old goat in the woods kind of uh stuff yeah like so (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna do a little bit of a canada story now but um uh it relates to werewolf in that um we were hiking in the mountains and our uh, our guide or the guy who works as a guide pointed out this moss called Old Man's Beard, and okay. it grows where it's perfectly where the air is perfect quality. Like you will not find better air, and that's what it needs for it. Yeah, I've it, heard of this. Yeah, yeah. And while it's like on the trees and stuff, it's this kind of like um, light kind of green, like slightly yellowy green. Um, but on fallen trees, so there were somewhere the trees had fallen across the path, and it because it's not getting any nutrients from the tree because the tree's dead, it had gone to like this um, fuzzy black, and it literally looked like uh, um, some animals or something had been thrashing about in the woods and left um, left fur uh, just all over the shop. Sorry, I realised I have a horrible feeling I might have gone a little bit into uh into bizarre territory because um i feel like jet lag has once again reared his ugly head um, <laughs> that's all right but it's it really looked like something had been fighting like really uh yeah and the scruff of the fur is just left all over these trees or branches and so forth yeah mm. and i can see how like it's it almost um because it looks so much like big black fur that work like i could see um that being something left over from like it's almost like a spirit of the wild and hunting and uh, like that um 
with disembodied from physical. Yeah. Sorry. I really, no, I, I, really I get what you mean. Like it's it's tainted and left a bit of itself behind when it's kind of like influencing things or it's crossed over. Yeah. But it also, you know, that's that place where you would find all of this kind of fur hanging from trees is the like pristine, uh, like it's pristine wilderness, mm. uh, and that is where you would expect these kind of spirits to be more so. Um, Definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I think the the thing about spirits in in Werewolf the Forsaken is they um, they it's that element of of it can be quite alien and it can be quite like because they can come from nature or they can come from the or, or be much more urban in their nature and much more even technological so um spirits like you know you can imagine that what a spirit of a computer could be or the spirit of like traffic lights even um that is an example spirit in one of the old werewolf books is a traffic light spirit <laughs> um yeah it's sounds crazy yeah it's a bit thomas the tank engine yeah but um <laughs> but the thing is like you can you can kind of explore how and why things form or and how they manifest and then when they cross over what those would then what the physicality of that would be when it starts to possess someone but it it's very different to say demonic possession in the classic oh it's a it's a demon in possessed because they don't really change in weird ways i would say there's you know demons in in most media when they possess someone just do the typical head spinning vomiting thing and then make you look a bit ill uh and climbing up walls and then it's different again to say um other kind of things that it's it's just it's a lot more alien i think it can lead to are you minimizing demonic possession yeah I'm minimizing <laughs> demonic possession it's a bit passe these days um anyway so now we'll get on to my favorite bad guys of well for the forsaken which are the host spirits so father wolf back in the day beat up a lot of big kind of you could basically call elder god type spirits okay so some spirits can become so powerful that they're effectively gods all right so this fits back into the greek god kind of thing or the the celtic pagan gods or or the native american one so again that's where you can get the kind of how the local folklore can influence how a, a spirit could grow into personifying um a particular god so these host spirits are the there's there's the Beshalu and the Aslu. So the Beshalu was the plague king was fractured in order to hide. It was the easiest way to survive. And they are rat spirits. Or they're, the, they're not rat spirits, they're the rat host spirits. They gnaw holes in the gauntlet. They want to bring the worlds together so that they can reform the plague king. And they what they will do. This is where the body horror comes in. A rat spirit will manifest as a rat and burrow into a person and sit there and control them. And then as the rat spirit gets more and more powerful, they hollow out the person and the person is basically a, is a skin suit filled with rats. Then once it's powerful enough, those rats will then merge to create fully form a man rat creature in a human skin before they 
and and they are then lead other smaller man rat creatures in their little burrowed holes and and tunnels underground and into the spirit realm and that's how you get wombles that no wombles are something <laughs> different in the world of darkness they are described um they're a very different type of old spirit though i if yeah. i use, I, they will turn up in I werewolf agree. game when i do it god please don't <laughs> And then the Aslu are, spirit, uh, are the spider host. So again, it's the same idea. A small spider goes in through your mouth, in through your nose, in through your ear, burrows into your brain and takes over and eventually become a skin suit of spiders. That kind of happened to my mom. <laughs> no, uh, she was on holiday and um, a spider bit her and crawled into her leg and laid eggs. Ew. Um, it's it's fine though. She's not a spider person. <laughs> yeah. So the Asli though want to do the uh, a different thing. They want to they build webs in the spirit realm to reinforce the gauntlet, so it becomes lifeless of essence. So I think therefore it drains essence away, so then the spider spirits can trap other things and become more powerful and reform the the hag spider god. There are other host spirits that are described in uh, the the first edition book called Forsaken. So there's the locust host, the crow host, um, the there might be a worm spirit. I think there's a worm. That might be a different thing. So yeah, they're kind of gross. They are full on body horror. And again, they fit that role of they're very kind of similar to werewolves, but not like they are again a a a a twisted version of the forsaken how do you feel about them i mean you've already given said something kind of gross <laughs> thank you sam james what do you think about the host spirits um they're proper twisted aren't they they're they're really nasty um like yeah, they also work quite nicely as a parallel to werewolves because the werewolf you know as a werewolf you are man and you are beast um these host spirits they are beast at, like they are they're beasts wearing the skin of man yeah yeah like there are ten thousand spiders in a trench coat basically yeah <laughs> yeah uh, they're trying to buy beer and it's it's definitely like i mean that is that is body horrory isn't it like something try like something else trying to get in you and like take up residence in your body like that's oh that is thoroughly gross like um, yeah. <laughs> oh wow yeah um so the thing about this is i, I would say if you re if you look at how these two spirits work because of how they interact with Gorman, you wouldn't make them the primary antagonist of an episode in your chronicle, but you would make them the reason for why shit is getting a little weird in your chronicle. Like, oh, you do some hunting, spirits keep the balance. They'd be like, there's a lot of spirits right now coming over into our territory. Something is deeply, deeply wrong. And then it's like, oh, wait, I think we do know why it's wrong, right? What's this, what's this uh, tunnel? Why is there this warren? Oh, it's not a warren, it's rat hosts, and you have to, like, you know, clear it out before it gets even more out of control. And then you might run into the fact that you, someone that you thought you knew is actually just on the verge of having their entire innards eaten out 
by rat spirits. It's, yeah, they're weird. They're totally weird. Um, okay, finally, the last two antagonists we're going to talk about is the Idigum. Uh, well, there's two forms. The Idigum fall into Moonbound and Earthbound. Idigum are spirits of things that have never been, never born, thoughts never dreamed. They're the Moonbound have no fixed form. They're very cancerous. The way they're kind of like they're a bit kind of like the 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 symbiote from. I get a feeling. I always kind of like think of the body horror of, of the thing, the symbiote from Spider Man. You know, with Venom, that kind of thing. So they were banished to the moon by Father Wolf. But after the moon landings, they gobbled up some spirits of, you know, modern technology and they learned how to return to Earth. Their return to Earth woke up their brethren, the Earthbound, which are also Idigum, which rather than being banished, they hid and then slept for eons. So you've got these spirits that can, that are very powerful. Of con of strange concepts that have never existed, that could shift between forms, and they can finally once they decide on a form, they can kind of like cement it. But it'll be of a form of something that has never existed, something that defies logic. And because of that, they are they don't you notice they don't fall into one of the preferred prey of the forsaken. So they are a truly horrific opponent to face they are a spirit that knows no bounds um and it also means spirits have like like the gentry have bands so you know certain weaknesses uh and the idigum that means their weaknesses are very nebulous and hard to determine in order to defeat them so they're kind of cool that's the last thing to say about them there isn't really much more to say about them because I, I've yet to really fully explore how I would use them in a chronicle. So I'll, we'll mostly return to that with like, you know, they're very, but they're very big level kind of antagonists uh, for a chronicle. Um, I would say they definitely are much more Lovecraftian, uh, eldritch kind of horror. Um, and movies like The Thing kind of give you an idea of what, how kind of shape shifting body horror that you can explore with them right i think that's everything about werewolf the forsaken there's a lot there any last comments before we move on to the curly and camera movie and media uh, not really no would you like to play forsaken because i've run it obviously would you play it um i would play it what kind yeah. of concept would you like to explore with it uh gosh i have no idea because there's so much there that you've talked about so uh, you know it would be something that we'd have to talk about with the other players and yeah. see what sort of but what would you want what do. would you find fun about playing a wealth is it just the fact that you could be this person that can then like you can let loose and just destroy or is it uh, more than the, that the body horror interests me okay lot. james hmm um so I think one of the things that could be quite fun with being a werewolf is like dealing with the spirit side of things. Um, that I imagine is a quite interesting like, mindset to be in, and how you would deal with that. So probably, probably the guys who are um, the uh, who are the shamanly guys, the spirit seers. Um, um, bone shadows, bone and shadows. the auspice, which is what the uh, gibbous moon ones, I think. Yeah. Um. 
you know that that sounds interesting but i also like character wise or like game wise i think it'd be interesting to play someone who you know when when you hear the hideous call of the night and you know you hear the thump you hear the footsteps in the empty house you hear those strange noises and you wonder what's going on instead of going oh my goodness maybe we should get out you go oh goody <laughs> yeah right <laughs> you know let's let's go bravely into the night um, yeah, there's, there's, it's kind of it, you can face the the terrors, but then the danger is you become the the mon you really do become the monster itself. Um, oh, so self destructive character arcs, I love those. Yeah, um, yeah right. <laughs> um, I mean, it's that savagery of like you know, it may you know you, you do the you try and bring balance to your territory, and you know it may it may come down to the fact that you do have to murder murder like. Uh, Timothy, the 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 milkman, uh, who 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 lives who you know lives in the town that your territory is around, because he has been hollowed out by the Aslu spiders, and he's he's been tainting the milk, and that's what's he's been, been driving the milk. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> um, something like that. Like you know, you you can't you can't. He's beyond help. The only help is to finally rip him apart. Um, maybe. Um, or at least track him to his his nest, so you can destroy all of his baby spider children before they also infect people. So, is that like Oogie Boogie from Nightmare Before Christmas? Oh yeah, he's a bit he's, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I think of these obscure references now. <laughs> right. Uh, let's move on to anyway. We said we're going to move on to the movie section. So, next segment then. Okay, Sam, what's our first movie? Uh, it's the obvious one, isn't it? Um, I guess it is. I'm 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 trying to remember other movies that I've thought of during the course of this that we don't have written down, so I'm not sure if I should mention those first so I don't forget them. Go with them first, then. Let's go with it. Uh, okay, so, yeah, like I said, there is are a bit more obscure. So um, just with the concept of like you know uh animal spirits and things like that the last unicorn actually made me think of that a lot because you have like the red bull and uh you have the unicorns and you have the harpy mm. and things like that and i just think that you know that's just another thing to draw some random inspiration from also there's uh another film from the same creators called flight of dragons um and um i've forgotten the name of the creatures in it but the ones that used to give me nightmares the ones that live on the hill they're like the little rats that chatter oh gross I've completely forgotten but it just made me think of that when you were talking about the the rat the rat stuff so um i will remember at some point what they're actually called um but yeah um i was also going to say regarding antagonists uh, a couple of episodes of Buffy come to mind and the first is the pack which is about the hyena possession oh definitely and the yeah. guy the zookeeper in that who looks after the hyena enclosure is you know we we find out at the end that he's the real antagonist because um, he he wants to transfer the hyena spirits into himself to become like a super hyena man. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And you know to 
to uh, channel that kind of primal energy because he's he like kind of worships those spirits. Uh, so yeah, you could definitely have somebody like oh, that. Oh god, I just yeah, actually just thinking about Buffy, the first Slayer is totally yes could be in a where is the human form of a yeah she's a bit werewolf like because what's important about the slayer like spiritually the slayer's not quite human um well uh she was born and men forced that power on her because it's a demon uh yeah basically they they forced demonic power on her to give her power to fight demons but she had no choice in the matter so, that's quite yeah, werewolfy. That's, yeah. Okay. Um, and the other episode of Buffy is Bad Eggs because I was thinking about the parasites. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, the bazaar babies. And they're like little kind of scorpion looking things that come out of uh, eggs, normal looking eggs, and um, kind of latch onto you in your sleep and leech off your energy and then end up controlling your motor functions and, you know, to serve the mother, Bazaar, who's a big, uh, ugly, fleshy creature that's living under the basement of the school. I was going to say the the, um, the Queller demon? Yeah, the, like the alien. That, that they're, they're, like... When they did Buffy does alien kind of thing. Buffy does aliens, but with madness. Yeah, the one that throws up on your face. Yeah. <laughs> to mucus on your face. Yeah. Is that is that us all buffied out or anything? Um else? right now it is. I've probably forgotten some really obvious ones. Well, uh, I mean there's because... the whole like I mean Oz Yeah, I thought that was maybe a little bit too obvious. Um, uh, you know, it's a good story arc and uh uh You've got the, the kind of thing with uh, the, the female werewolf Baruka mm-hmm. coming into it as well, so it explores that, and it's basically the dichotomy of somebody who wants to control her animal nature and locks themselves up, and, and you know, she's saying that's silly, you know, we shouldn't have to do that, we should, you know, just be who we actually are, and trying to get him not to lock himself up, so that kind of, like, thinking opposites in that kind of thing. Um, yeah, um, there's probably loads of Buffy stuff that you could sort of mine away at and, and find little bits and pieces here and there, but those are the ones that come to mind first for me. Okay. I think Angel probably has quite a few as well. Um, you know, I, you know, I was thinking things about like the, the demonic pregnancy episode and things mm-hmm. like that. You know, there's there's loads of different things. Um, but I guess we can add those to write the notes later on if we've forgotten anything else just for people to check out inspiration wise um yeah um so speaking of low hanging fruit there, <laughs> um the most obvious film american werewolf in london which so on the list because uh it has one of the best werewolf transformations um historically anyway i mean you can look at it now and Sometimes it doesn't look as seamless. Um, I think, you know, the people involved in it have talked about this too, like, oh no, that looks really bad. But uh, generally it looks fantastic. Um, It's just a fun story, you know, it's got the dark comedy in there. Um, The the first bit is set in Yorkshire, which is always fun. What is Yorkshire? (laughs) On the moors. So, um, yeah, and... You know, you have that, I think Chrissy was talking about, 
him being able to you know speak to his dead friend uh, kind of what, yeah. contacting yeah having that kind of what well, once you've you know been bitten you, you kind of have that ability yeah um yeah stuff like that so yeah it's just a really good um well movie like you know one of the best i think and then next up is Ginger Snaps. Uh, yeah. yeah, Ginger Snaps. Um, Low-hanging fruit, but for very good I reason. I wouldn't say that it actually is, because when I talk to people about it, no one has never heard of it. And the thing is, yeah, I know in our sort of circles, that's yeah. not really, you know, people will know. But it is a cult movie, mm. and it's a Canadian movie, and it's, you know, kind of up until a few years ago, it was kind of, you know, people didn't really know it was just this little movie. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's got uh, Catherine Isabel in it, and she's, you know, very like, <laughs> she, she's in everything. She's a screen queen, basically, mm. and she's just really fantastic in like her first role, pretty much, apart from being in an episode of Goosebumps once. If you want to check out that episode, it's um, it came from beneath the sink, which is about a sponge which feeds on bad luck. That's a very good episode. Um, I have the book as well. But um, anyway, so yeah, she she puts in a really really good performance, and um, it's also about kind of like toxic female relationships, her relationship with her sister. Uh, their designs on like suicide and stuff like that and kind of the perils of teenhood and you know it's all tied in with the menstrual cycle with them reaching puberty a little late and you know uh, kind of uh, a different look at you know the kind of rage of uh, lycanthropy Mm. Um, you know basically under the lens of you know, she she's just having mood swings, yeah. Basically, and it, it's just a really fantastic movie, and um, it, it's a very interesting werewolf design as well. Mm. I think because it's very different from what you normally see. You know, the prosthetics are really different. Yeah, um, the one we watched last night, uh, Howl, is set... it's, a, it's a British movie, yeah. and it's set on a train that breaks down in the middle of nowhere, um, you know, with all the lights off, everything shut down, um, people are just stuck there and they have no choice uh, but to be stuck there. And, um, you know, they they all decide to, to get out of the train and walk, but there's something in the surrounding land that's after them, which uh, turns out to be, you know, a werewolf and um you know someone gets bitten and then it's the usual kind of uh you know claustrophobic sort of horror where you know it's uh you know everyone's kind of holed up in one little place and you know someone's uh you know like caught whatever disease this appears to Mm. be and is dying and you know do we go and get help for them do we stay here is it too dangerous to go out there and basically everyone gets picked off one by one it's (laughs) a pack of werewolves in the end but that means it's very much uh they're the worst kind so they're they're your pure tribe for forsaken um company of wolves uh Uh, yeah that's actually i think quite different than a lot of the stuff we've been talking about because it's a real fairy tale element to it and you know it's like it's a red riding hood type story um that also has one of the most iconic 
werewolf transformations in cinema um with the whole ripping like, through the skin ripping through the skin the snout coming through the mouth um it's just really visually terrifying and fascinating um and yeah that's probably my favorite thing about it mm. like other than the whole fairy tale element yeah um dog soldiers is obviously an obvious one that they they put in the forsaken book because again it's um just gives you an idea of like how powerful a pack of werewolves can be up against sas mm-hmm. troopers yeah um and they just tear them apart basically <laughs> uh, and vice versa uh, so they're quite powerful werewolves out in the middle of nowhere against these soldiers. So it can give you an idea of like what, how hunters may well try and cope with werewolves. Um, the next one, though, is a we're, we're getting more into less about kind of the werewolves and more about the antagonists now. So Spring is an interesting horror film. Uh, it's more of a love story. Yeah. <laughs> it is a horror film. Um off the top of my head, it stars Lou Taylor Pucci. Um, unfortunately, I've forgotten the name of the of the female actor in it. The, the yeah. Female. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's about a guy who's um, he's uh, having a vacation in Europe. He's like backpacking, and he meets a girl, but she's not quite what she seems. It kind of sounds like a usual story, but what happens after that is something very, very different, and. I would say it has elements of both this and and like sort of changeling aspects to it. It's basically a shape shifting movie. Yeah. And I don't really want to spoil it for anyone. I think it's something that you really do have to watch for yourself. It's a very special movie, and it's it's very different. I think what it does where it fits into inspiration is for the spirit claimed. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. The thing is iconic for its level of body horror and goriness and uh, an alien kind of creature that's shifting shapes and everything and how it does so. Uh, that's basically the Idigum, essentially. Mm-hmm. Nothing more to say about that film. Uh, more recently, The Ritual uh, is a film which features, again, a, a predominantly British cast that are hiking through Sweden forests. Uh, I think Norway. Yeah, Norway. Um, and they come face to face with uh, again an ancient kind of creature spirit of Loki type thing, and I think purely there the it's the creature design that is most interesting, um, and how the locals in that film mm-hmm. obviously venerate the spirit and so forth. So that's good fun. Um, also on our list is the TV series UK version of Being Human, just because it's a great example of werewolves. Uh, yep, it you know it sort of deals with the emotional aspect of being a werewolf, and also you know um, uh, it has a werewolf couple in it actually. Well, everyone in that house is the pack. Well, yeah, that is true, but it does have a werewolf couple. Yeah. Um. And it has, uh, later on, has a werewolf father and son as well. So you're going to get that familial element of it, Um, you know, and does introduce all the werewolf side characters who, you know, tend to clash with the main characters on, you know, how they view that as a gift or a curse, things like that. Uh, The werewolf transformation is really, really good. Yeah. uh, you know, there's also quite a lot of comedy in there too. 
um there's a season uh two i think uh deals with uh experimenting on werewolves so a government facility which is also quite uh religious as well so it kind of mixes it up a bit um you know in uh trying to discover more about these creatures but not doing it in a very ethical way mm. and stuff mm. like that uh i've also put on here some movies well we'll say movies because it's silent hill 2 <laughs> as a game uh because when you because silent hill 2 there are points where you shift into other sides of reality and you see the world changed around you so you know when you're walking through the the hospital and you go through a door and all the events go down with you know pyramid head and whoever and then you get on the other side of all that and then the hospital's different and then you do whatever else and then you're back on the other side so the times when you're in the other reflection of sight hill that to me is kind of very much the urban shadow um and again some of the creatures in it kind of work you know like the um the the mannequin type creatures and pyramid head himself could work as a spirit of like torture and and sacrifice um and yeah it just works quite well for those elements uh another film we've got on here that's been out recently was honeymoon yeah that's now... uh, there's actually two different movies called oh, okay. uh, which are horror movies um Gosh, why can't I remember anyone's name today? It's got the guy from... Uh, okay, so it's got Rose Leslie in it. I remember now from Game of Thrones. Um, and gosh, um, Harry Treadway. Right. That's his name. <laughs> so Honeymoon is a couple go off to a Forest Lodge holiday home. And then weird stuff happens. It's effectively, it's a kind of aliens kind of feel to it like uh yeah i mean it seems to be when she goes outside and has this kind of mysterious encounter with something yeah outside and becomes somehow you know infected by it in a way and yeah. her behavior starts to change quite rapidly there's some good body horror in it there's again some very good body horror Ugh. and uh, <laughs> but i will warn people if you know you have any sensitivity to kind of you know pregnancy related um miscarriage related anything gynecological you might want to skip this one or at least skip those scenes when you you you'll be able to see them coming anyway but the point is with this one even though it falls into its aliens it again because of that the alien nature of spirits claiming and possessing people you can quite easily look at some films where it's aliens and go well is it really mm. and i think it's a good one because it isn't just the oh look it's those little gray guys with the big eyes punch them punch them <laughs> now um right we're going to some we're getting on to the tail end of our list of media here um cat people the, the remake cat, yeah the remake of cat people um i think it's kind of self-explanatory if you know it then you'll know what i'm talking about if you don't then watch it it's a laugh if nothing else it's um it's very i mean it was the 80s wasn't it yeah yeah it's very 80s uh kind of filmed like a music video for mtv in a way there's this you know it feels very like smoke machiney and just very um there there's some erotica in there there's some um 
you know some leanings towards incest <laughs> you know they, there's a there's a whole lot of stuff in there and yeah it's, it's basically they 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 make it a little soft core and things and you know she is like a, a cat a cat woman in it uh, trying to come to terms with who she really is so i think the, um, the the mythology behind why the cat people exist it's is interesting yeah interesting yeah but to me it's a bit of a car crash of a movie even though a lot of people do love it um yeah but it's it's fair enough and enjoyable to watch um okay so tail end of things um Episodes from Supernatural, obviously, there's, there's again, there's a few episodes where there's werewolves in that TV series. Uh, the Wendigo episode in particular is a strong one. Yeah, that's like the second episode in of the entire show. Um, no wonder it's so good. Um, <laughs> and uh, I couldn't think of anything that was like, oh, is it spirits or, you know, not because like. Oh, I know your favorite episode, Bugs. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Which Chris actually hates, but it's a shit now episode. he's thinking it's a shit actually. episode, but it works for that. <laughs> um, and I don't think there's anything else that that works for that. There's nothing else that's weird, gory, body. It doesn't do. I I've been out of the supernatural loop for so many years that yeah. They're on like season thirteen, aren't they? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> season two hundred. They should have stopped at, at end of five. <laughs> um. Other TV series, Hemlock Grove, you said it's really uh, good. We've only watched a little bit because... It's so really yeah. good. It's really good for the werewolf. It's, it's very good for the initial werewolf transformation. It's just, again, uh, you know, a bit of a departure and, and really well done. Um, Black Swan, we definitely wanted to talk about a little yes, bit. Yes, that's... I think the idea that a swan... The, the, the idea of, like ballerinas and swans i think are very built up in our culture so the idea mm. that a swan spirit links into that tethers to someone betters to her changing her perception until finally manifesting i mean obviously uh, it depends how you interpret the film anyway yeah well you but... can if you i mean if you like you can interpret it uh you know that the body horror is genuine and it's not something that she's imagining um whereas you know the the actual uh, story of the movie is is really more about psychological horror and you know how uh, how her mind is broken due to the pressure. Uh, so you know, but you know, if if you want to believe that it's uh, a swan spirit breaking forth from inside, then that's good too. So um, yeah, it, it's got some excellent body horror. You know, you you like the whole fingernails thing, don't you? Yeah. Um... <laughs> Then another one, I've not personally watched this, but this is always comes up when you talk about body horror and again with the kind of modern day kind of stuff, is the Tetsuo series of films. There's the Iron Man, Body Hammer and the Bullet Man. So again, it's a, it's to do with metal fetishism and how a, guy, a man has metal slowly grow and protrude out of him That's and shape shift yeah. and change that way. Um, so again, it's classic kind of Japanese uh, body horror. Mm. Japanese love their body horror. I think, though I've not watched it, I've seen images from it, and that mostly works with kind of weird body horror. It's like some of the creature designs in Tokyo Gore Police. Mm -hmm. uh, again, because it's just bizarre crap. Um, finally, the last thing we're going to get with, again, it's aliens. Um, the astronaut's wife, uh, where um, a alien entity... Uh, that transmits as like 
as a signal, essentially, mm. uh, possesses Johnny Depp, and uh, it wants to obviously create alien children. Woohoo! Um, yeah, you know. Charlie's their own. It's yeah. Good, it? Again, that's kind of that's mostly a highbrow version of like um, of like species. The species <laughs> is kind of like the lowbrow version where they get a signal, yay, and they. Yeah, I was wondering why you didn't they they make species. they make from they they make from the alien signal they make the D, the artificial DNA to make the alien entity and they splice it with a person and guess what it's going to kill people so again kind of the same body horror elements in there um, you could go with also related to that is another shit film which stars um, oh why can't I think of her name from from Halloween um, ooh. What, Jamie Lee Curtis? Yeah, the film's called Virus, which again oh, is no. an alien signal, gets onto this Russian ship and it starts building it. It's able to somehow, it gets onto the ship, it infects the computer there, and then somehow is able to build a robotic body. And I never really worked out how it had was able to use what's in the ship to build a robot. It's not like the robot has like um, robots inside it to build the robotic body already. But that's <laughs> what it does, and it wants to take over Earth's computers and kill all the humans. Um, okay. So, but that's kind of like machine spirit. I see it as that way. And then finally, we got splice, which uh, is yeah. So that's um, God, I'm being stupid again. Um, Adrian Brody's in it. I was gonna say he's got a nose. Um, <laughs> can you look up uh, who else is in it? Because I want to be sure I'm not forgetting literally everyone for this episode. I've been really bad with names. I'm usually really good and I'm just so not very on the ball today. Splice is cast is there we go. Wait, 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 wait. It says it there if you scroll down. I just clicked on that. There we go. Okay, so it's Sarah Polly. And then you've got Delphine I can't know how to pronounce that. Uh Chinick. Chin- yep. Uh, and then, uh, so she plays the creature, and then she also plays it at different stages. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. So uh, basically, it's a couple of scientists, and they're experimenting with splicing human and animal DNA, and they they do manage to create a little baby creature um, who grows quite rapidly into a kind of human hybrid animal almost alien creature um and it doesn't really end very well that's all i can say um there's you know uh there's also some interesting territory here with uh yeah i I mean genetic testing and the influence of it so again it's kind of like you could see how spirits could latch onto that and influence people and possess people Use that for that inspiration. Uh, also, Adrian Brody's weird attraction to the creature, uh, given that it's kind of his daughter, because he used his own sperm, didn't he? No, the, Is that the no, film I'm that's a, no, no, the 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 what you call her used her genetics in it. Oh well, and he's attracted to her. Oh, okay. Well, I suppose it's not that bad then. No. <laughs> But the end yeah, is still that bad. That, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely uh, goes to some places. Yeah. <laughs> and that's our list, I think, of movies that go well beyond what's in the werewolf book. Um, James, any other ideas or things to comment on? 
Yeah, so I'm gonna come up. I'm gonna do some slightly odd ones. Um, so uh, there is a film called The Triangle about someone who gets stuck on a boat in the Bermuda Triangle, and time kind of loops. I've seen this, and I really hate it. But go on. Um, okay, so on that note, I'll, uh, I'll I'll boldly blunder on. But um, I thought one of the things that was interesting in that is that she ends up accept getting to the point where she accepts that she actually has to hunt these people mm -hmm. to get to the point where the loop occurs, and that kind of made made me think a little bit of werewolf that you know there's um she does end up hunting people and she's got a uh she's got a reason for it i mean it's a it's a little bit of a stretch but you know i, I like going for the uh outside things um there's another one on netflix i watched which was called ava's possessions which uh has someone who has been possessed by a spirit or a demon or something and ends up going to like a recovery group um but we've been talking so much about possessions and things that i couldn't not think about it <laughs> um goodness 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 um yeah i think i'm i'm mostly just uh clutching at, at straws because there's some we've got some really really good ones on the list um i have one i may be being really stupid but pirates of the caribbean oh okay Okay, Why? so, um, well, Davy Jones. Yeah, okay, yeah. No, that's that's I literally all it. I was going to say, and mm. and his crew, basically. Yeah. And how they, they take on those aspects of the sea. No, that's perfectly... Because <laughs> it's, you know, pretty obvious, and, and just you, there isn't that much more to say about it, but yeah. No, um, <laughs> no that makes sense. Um... Also, as a, he's kind of a spirit because he has a ban because he's not allowed to on dry land. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that is it. I mean, I'm sure you could mostly find some inspiration from some of some good old X Files episodes somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, maybe from possibly ideas from certain episodes of Fringe, most probably as well. The weird shit. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think of other shows which possibly have some good, bizarre um, things that could do with, to do with spirits. I can't really think off the top of my head. I think we've fully exhausted everything for now. One um, of the episodes of uh, Fringe, a boy makes friend with friends with like moss in a cave or something, and right, uh, it ends up protecting him by killing a bunch of kids who were bullying him. Um, wow. but like because it's a yeah, it's mold, but he ends up like communing with it, and I that's mean, it's kind of like a, a spirit, I guess, or it's like it's fettered, maybe fettered to him, Is yeah. I think, um, um, I think related to that, if they ever ever get around to doing a modern movie of it, um, is uh, would be Swamp Thing, or is it Man Thing? Man Thing's the Marvel version. Swamp Thing is the DC version. Uh, you know, because it's basically, you know, um, a elemental of the swamp. Mm. So uh, that could potentially be something. I'm sure there's stuff in like the uh, Hellblazer comics somewhere, which is about more kind of like spirits. Because Hellblazer, the comics, is less about Judo Criso mythology 
angels, demons, boring, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Universal were going to remake Creature from the Black Lagoon, but they're not doing any of that anymore because their Dark Universe failed before it even began. Oh, the mummy sucks so bad. It's not that great, no. Um, I think Universal Monsters really had their day the first time around, but there you go. Oh, Tom Apart from Cruise. the uh, Brendan Fraser mummy movies, which and I'm they're a, fan a different of. thing. Entirely. Not the third one though. They're pulp kind of adventure. Yeah, they they basically got it right. Yeah, I think that's where Universal Monsters still works is as pulp adventure, not as yeah. When they try and do it serious business, serious, yeah. Um, right, that is it. Uh, I think so. Um, we'll call it in there. Uh, thank you for putting up with me explaining Werewolf the Forsaken in all its uh, in as much detail as I could squeeze into this podcast, which is quite a long one. Um, and also going through, thank you for going through all the films, Sam. There was a lot on there. Yeah, sorry for being all over the place with things. Yeah, um, <laughs> James, thank I, you. I don't even have jet lag to explain it. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, oh, Grim. Grim. Oh, okay, we've not really watched it. it. Yeah. The guy deals with werewolves or like were creatures pretty much exclusively. Um, because he's he uh yeah he's comes from a family that used to hunt them um but there's a whole bunch of like he's got all of the the books of law on what creatures are comp- capable of and stuff and he interacts with a whole bunch of them and they have their own interconnectedness um ah i yeah there we go something something more on topic so pardon, uh, I, 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 think, I think our, uh, our outro <laughs> i think the reason we've not watched grim is because like you know supernatural just burned burnt us out on like genre tv to deal with any of that kind of stuff um yes anyway so thank you james for that last uh, <laughs> edition that's why you're here um and uh for your input um then... I do remember. Sorry, I've got one more. You got like, one more film. Because oh, we were talking about shows that we've not watched, but I have a friend who, uh, at some point, was into Teen Wolf, and oh. one of the characters becomes possessed by a Japanese fox spirit, oh. uh, Kitsune. So yes, yeah. Okay. I don't know much more apart from that, but that's also something that you know it was represented in uh, mainstream horror media so there you go i just well yeah shinto does have its local spirit has its spirits and small gods so that fits much more with the ideas of animism animism and uh yeah cool right okay now now on that note we can finish so um (laughs) if anyone's got any questions ideas comments they can get in contact with us via at darker days radio uh, well, not at Darker Days Radio, because it's at it's Twitter. It's darkerdaysradio at gmail.com or at Darker Days Radio on Twitter or on Facebook or on Google+. Um, that's about it. I don't think we have any other forms of communication. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Sam Capral or Sam Capral Photo. That's F-O-T-O. We need to do some new photos. Uh, I do, but we've been busy trying to buy a house, so... Fun times. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Anything else, James? Have you been blogging anything? I mean, we need to get the blog. The blog will be going again in the run-up to UK Games Expo because there's mm-hmm. new stuff coming out. So you'll see updates on there about what we want to see as as and when it turns up. Yeah. Um, so I watched a lot of horror movies with my friend while I was in Canada, um, mm-hmm. which was really neat. And I'm kind of rolling around an idea at the moment for uh, writing an article on... Uh, practical effects versus CGI, in, okay. uh, but not for movies, but how you can apply that to running games. And it's mm-hmm. basically more about, you know, make a thing creepy by the description and the kind of actual, like, physical, visceral sound and description of it, rather than just like, there's a big, scary monster. And you have to kind of go, oh, yeah, well, I suppose it's scary because you said it's scary. Um, Mucus. <laughs> Puss. Yeah. Puss and everything. <laughs> um, so, yeah, cool. I've got some notes of that and I'll get that finished up. Yeah. Um, I need to update the blog with stuff I've painted. And, yeah, I think the next episode we'll talk a bit more about Kingdom Death before we talk about... Oh, I think... No, it is appropriate. The next episode, of the, the main show, though, will obviously have to cover Promethean the Created because oh wow, I can't be asked delving into Mage the Ascension Second Edition just yet. I do need to read the Second Edition of Promethean, and uh, you know, it is a certain two hundred year anniversary of Frankenstein. So finally, I get to waffle on about Frankenstein. And there are lots of things in media that are related to it. Um, so yeah, so that's everything. So <sighs> goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. Bye. Bye.